Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey folks, Josh Neighbors here. I messed up today on today's show. We're talking about my Big 12 preseason poll. Uh, the audio, I did not plug my mic in, so it's just the computer audio today. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll have the backdrop going tomorrow. Hopefully, too, can have somebody help me put that up. It's been a struggle with that. It's so big, so I have to cut it and make sure it works. But uh, audio quality dropped today. It's just going to be off the computer, so sorry for that. We'll be back to normal quality tomorrow. Hope you guys enjoy today's show. Predictions for how the 2023 Big 12 football season will go. That is coming up on today's edition of the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. You are watching slash listening to once again the Neighborhood Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. You can follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can follow me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. If you are on YouTube, or if you're listening to us, it's fine also, but please subscribe on YouTube, like the videos, leave comments as well. That helps, uh, helps grow this channel, and we need to grow the channel uh, you know, if we're going to keep doing big things with this, and it really does help when you all go out and like the videos, when you guys subscribe. We need that kind of stuff to help out the show. Um, so, Bay 12 preseason poll day. This stuff is due tomorrow. As you all know, we've been covering conference realignment very thoroughly on this channel. That's what a lot of you all want to hear about right now. That's what I want to talk about right now, just because we're coming down to it. But with that in mind, we still do have uh, the, the, the email was sent out for our Big 12 preseason poll and all conference team. And so as a member of the media, I did it last year. I'll do it again. I'll also share it with you all because I don't, you know, this stuff that, I mean, I don't think most folks mind it being private or uh, public. But I like to put mine out there. You know, I think it's important. You know, if I get to vote. I think you all should get to know what I voted on, what I voted for, all those things. I feel the same way for football and basketball. I will say this. With the transfer portal and whatnot, it's very difficult. Also, having a 14-team conference, four of which being new. And look, we've covered the schools a whole lot, so I get it. But having four new schools introduce the fray makes it uh, the challenge even harder. And also, you know, guys, like my opinion on this, it's tough to do this now because – I'm going to talk to 14 different people about 14 different schools 
over the course of the next month and a half or so. And I'm going to share all of that with you all. I'm going to read my Phil Steele. I'm going to read Athlon Sports. I'm going to cultivate questions based off my readings of those things. And to be honest, guys, like this is not going to be what I think heading into the year. This is what I'm thinking right now when they make us vote, which is two months out, which is challenging because they still have to go through some fall practices and we still have some injuries that are going to happen and whatnot. So there's still a whole lot TBD on a lot of these things. But I think, you know, this is basically coming out of the off season, what we all feel and what we all think kind of in the same areas. And I've seen some folks put theirs out. I'm going to put mine out today. But I just think having an idea in mind, though, of like, I think when I talk to some folks, you're not going to see me jump my last place school, West Virginia, up to the fifth. That's not going to happen. But, you know, hey, maybe I reconsider, you know, reconsider where I have TCU or reconsider my thoughts on Texas Tech, on Baylor, all of those things. So just keep that in mind that I'm going to go through the previews to all of you all. You're going to go through the previews to all of you all. It's just my thoughts kind of on the surface as we head into the season. Not going to hit every single team here, but we're kind of going to group them together, right? Uh, and I think that's the best way to do it. So here it is. Here it is, everybody. You all can see it. Uh, boom. Let's see. I think that's that's good to go. I'm not sure if you all can see me, but it's fine. If you all can't see me, it's totally okay. So this is my preseason poll. This is what it looks like. For those of you listening, I've got Texas as my number one team, Kansas State as my number two team, Baylor at number three, Texas Tech at number four, Oklahoma at number five, TCU at number six, Oklahoma State at number seven, UCF at number eight, nine is Kansas, 10 is Iowa State, BYU is number 11, Houston, Cincinnati, uh, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati are there. Not put dash next to them. I forgot those, uh, but it's fine. You all can still get the gist anyway. West Virginia is number 14. So how I want to start this, I'm going to go top to bottom. And, and really the debate for who is the number one team. So Texas to me, should be number one. And I've explained some reasons why people say, oh, you know, misplaced faith in Texas. You know, could Texas, you know, Texas back, the jokes and whatnot. But I go back to this. Over the past three seasons, we have had six separate teams in the Big 12 championship game. Some of them we have seen coming. Some of them we have not. Last year, we all saw, I think a lot of folks saw Kansas State coming, right? My reservation before the season was Adrian Martinez at the quarterback spot. And lo and behold, there's an argument to make while well, he won them some games. You know, I think that end of the Texas Tech game, he was very good. And also the um, the uh, Oklahoma game, he was fantastic. There's really not a whole lot of doubting, I think, at this point, that they were a better team with Will Howard at the helm of that ship. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were better there. So I had some reservations there, and once they got Will Howard, things went pretty well, and every time they lost a game, you know, they were able to rally, right? They lost to uh, Tulane in a close one. They lost to TCU, and that game was weird and strange. Texas as well, they rallied after all of those losses, and Martinez played the Texas game. That was a strange decision, right? I think we all thought it was weird that he was playing in that game. And then the TCU game, that's a game where Will Howard got hurt. So really kind of like the one – if you want to make the argument one full strength loss, and I look, I mean, uh, the Texas one, I don't want to take that one away from Texas. It was a great win for Texas. Um, but, you know, kind of the way the team should have been deployed, kind of think about Tulane, right, as the only one. I mean, Will Howard, you know, they played the game and he was injured and sure, whatever. But during the regular season last year, you know, the only like like legit, legit, legit loss felt like it was that Tulane game. Once again, they're, they did lose two other games. It's football. It's the way it works. But I think there's some – 
kind of other factors to be taken into there. Right. So Kansas State was that team last year. We kind of all, you know, we saw them coming and they, they, they manifested that different quarterback than we thought they manifested that Texas has a chance to manifest that. And I think a very impressive way because of the talent they've collected, right? Because that roster is so strong, they have got a, I think, an easy claim to the best roster in this entire conference and one of the best rosters in all of college football. So when you consider their roster, when you consider uh, you know, what they return on offense and defense, what they have brought in, the fact that they've got a loaded receiving core, right? Um, you know, they've got a fantastic receiving core. It looks like the backfield should be okay despite losing two fantastic running backs. A defense that was, you know, I thought they were pretty strong for the most part last year. They had some really impressive performances in some pretty big games. And so I thought their defense played very well last year. They got some guys coming back on from that defense as well. And so, you know, you've, you've got uh, enough there for me to say, all right, this is the best, especially because of skill players. That, that's really what it is. And also the talent level of the quarterback. Like it just feels like with the quality of their offensive line, uh, at least pieces of the offensive line, what we saw last year, with the quality of talent that they've got around Quinn Ewers and his level of talent, especially at receiver, this is going to be very hard for a quarterback to mess up especially if their offensive line plays, you know, similarly to a level they played at last year, you'd hope they kind of overcome some of the growing pains and whatnot and get over the hump in some games. I mean, every loss they had last year was close. You go back to the 2022, um, you know, the 2022 football season for Texas and you think about, okay, close loss to uh, um, uh, Alabama to start things off, right? Quinn Ewers gets hurt in that game. Texas Tech, they let them off the hook in that one. They lose by three points in overtime. Uh, the uh, Oklahoma State game, it's a game they should have won 110%. The TCU game is a game that I think it's pretty fair to say they should not have won that game. They were not the better team in that game, right? But all those games were close. Even their bowl loss to Washington was close. So it's safe to say that if they can you know, get some more out of Quinn Ewers and he improves his play, they can flip some of those results, and I think they've got the talent to do so. And look, people say they've always been talented. Guys, the Sam Ellinger teams were talented. But, you know, I've, I've had my thoughts about Sam Ellinger out there uh, for a while. I like him. Everybody loves him as a guy, great leader and whatnot. But like this hybrid running, throwing quarterback who is sometimes physically compromised because of how much he ran, you know, I think that that to me is like they don't have that anymore. And I know some of his performances might be better, but Quinn Ewers is a quarterback, 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 quarterback. He is a classic QB. He is a good athlete. He can run some, but he is more of the classic quarterback when you compare him to a Sam Ellinger, a guy like that. So I think when I consider all those things, when I consider the five to seven to an eight and four, they're about to make that natural next jump. Now, K-State, on the other hand, I think they're going to have something to say about that. But really, I don't feel comfortable putting anybody ahead of those two schools. I really don't. I, I, I do not feel comfortable uh, putting anybody ahead of those two schools, and that's where it gets difficult. I think the next crop, I think it's the next four schools, five schools, honestly, Baylor, Tech, Oklahoma, TCU, and Oklahoma State, they're all like that order could be anywhere to me. It really could. I know you Tech fans want to convince me and are convinced yourselves and your fans, you should be, that Texas Tech is the genuine article and, and Joey McGuire is doing a great job and he is doing a great job. I'm not saying he's not, but they're going to ascend next year to go to the Big 12 championship game. And I'll tell you this, 
their quarterback play was not nearly consistent enough last year. And look, you can say, well, you can't, you know, you can't just say that people are going to get injured. But I mean, you can't say Tyler Shuck's going to stay healthy at this point. It's not been a reality for them. Even Baron Morton, too, in that conversation. And they don't have a third guy in Donovan Smith now. But, you know, you, you don't bank on three injuries. And also on defense, you know, it's tough to build a really good defense. And I like Tim DeRuiter a lot. Um, and this is a team that's got a lot of experience on the offensive side of things. But you have to convince me that Texas Tech, you know, is, is in, and last year, once again, strong season, but they were, they were, they were eight and five at the end of it. Um, and, you know, as good as it was for them, it's not, the progression is not always a, 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 you know, it's not always linear. It's not always a straight line for them. And so I know they've got a very experienced defense. They got a lot of old guys in this defense. And so I think they're pretty, a lot of them, they are transfers. So they're excited about how, how old this defense. And I mean, it's basically like, it's essentially seniors up and down the entire way. So you're hoping that that, you know, is, is able to deliver for them, but it's not like this was some awesome defense last year. You need all of that to gel. And also you're going to need all of those guys to stay healthy. Uh, I think they feel pretty good about the wide receiver core, obviously, Jerron Bradley, you know, Dre McCray, Miles Price, and they love all of those guys that they've got. And still they've got, you know, guys like Todd Brooks coming back for them this year. So, I mean, they've got, and, and, you know, Baylor Cup tight end. I mean, they've got a pretty strong unit. It's a pretty old uh, team, especially on the defensive side of things. But that does not necessarily guarantee that they're going to do well. And I go back to that Baylor game last year. It's a big contest at home. And they really crapped the bed. They, they were not impressive in that game. I know Baron Morton was kind of the linchpin for that. He had a terrible performance. But they just weren't ready. And that was one of the better defensive line games that we've seen out of Baylor. And so, you know, I have to ask, like, if we get to a part of the season where down the stretch, you know, we're talking about Texas Tech playing in some big games, a bunch there towards the end, am I going to be able to trust them? And will I be able to trust this, this team down the stretch? And you kind of look at their schedule. It is manageable. I'd say the one tough stretch in there you really look at is they got an October stretch of at Baylor, Kansas State on a Friday. I think that one's a Friday. That's Saturday game, yeah. Uh, Kansas State, that's the Oklahoma State game against Kansas State. It's Friday night. Baylor, Kansas State, at BYU, and then TCU. The nice thing is they are not double. They have no point. Are they on the road back-to-back weeks? They do get Oregon at home, which I think could be a very interesting look. But, I, I mean – that one might be able to tell us how good they are, uh, you know, at that point of the season. So Texas Tech, you know, they can flip with Baylor. The reason why people say uh, Baylor, why? Look, Blake Shapin's got experience now, all right? And he better, you know, I think he will perform better than he did last season. And I think the one thing I can say pretty confidently about a Dave Aranda is that he is very, very good when it comes to making adjustments. I know they've got plenty they have to replace on this team, but still, they've got Dominic Richardson who comes in. They've got Quaylen Jones coming in. They've got, obviously, Richard Reese in the backfield. I want to see him improve Blake Shapin, but they've got weapons. Uh, you know, Keetron Jackson. They've got Hal Presley, obviously, returning back. Uh, Monterey Baldwin with the speed they've got there, too. So they've got plenty of guys that deliver a whole lot. Now, I think the thing on defense is, okay, there's, there's some new faces there. That is that is sure. But I and their secondary is pretty young. It's going to be a huge area of emphasis for them this year. You're a little bit concerned about a lot of the secondary depth. But for them, I trust Dave Randall on that side. And also, I, I'm wondering their offensive strategy this year. Can they really get back to just you know wide zone and then kind of almost build like Gary Bohannon? I know they used him more running, but you know uh, playmaking when you needed it. And, and have Blake Chapin – 
not be more of a game manager, but be the guy that can step up and make the throws in those moments where he needs to. You know, you think about some of the games where he tore it up last year, the really good game against Iowa State. Uh, the game against West Virginia, he was fantastic until he was knocked out of it. So I, that's why I'm high on Baylor. It's also a coach who knows how to make adjustments, and we've seen him do it in a pretty meaningful way, right? Oklahoma, I mean, I've got no idea. They've got talent. They've got Gabriel back. They lost some important pieces on both sides. Their defense was a mess last year. And so I think there are some now concerns about Oklahoma. And I think people are starting to wonder, okay, how good are they? And Brent Venables has some questions to answer. Uh, you know, I think there are some some folks who are wondering, all right, who's going who's to be coming in now recruiting-wise for them taking that? And so I think there's a lot of questions to be asked there. TCU, you know, it's a big step back for that. I mean, just roster-wise, like they've, they've reloaded a little bit and they're going to have good players. They're going to live off what happened last year. But, you know, Sonny Dykes can have a new offensive coordinator in there. And we'll see what Kendall Bryles can do with Chandler Morris, the quarterback. So, you know, I'm 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 excited to see what TC looks like because I think it'll be fun and explosive again. But oh my God, they lost a lot. Lost a lot of guys off last year's team. They replaced them with some good players, but oh my God, they lost a lot. But Oklahoma State, I mean, they've had so much roster turnover. I wouldn't be shocked if they're lower, but it's hard to bet against Mike Gundy. It feels like he's pretty consistently seven and five, you know, six and six range. And I think that's probably where number seven goes in this league. Then you'll get the back half. UCF, Kansas, Iowa State, BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and West Virginia. So about a team from the back half that's got the best chance to make a push. I'll give you the two. UCF and Kansas and Iowa State obviously is there too. But UCF because Gus Malzahn, John Rice Plumley, they've got a, a decent amount of talent there. I just I wonder for the new schools, especially the three AAC schools, the adjustment you're gonna have to make now when you are playing power five competition. Every single game, week in, week out, there is no ECU. There is, you know, uh, there's no Navy. I mean, that, that doesn't exist here, right? Even West Virginia's bad year last year, they beat both the Oklahoma schools. We know that they've got the ability to do that. They, they you know, beat a bad Virginia Tech team. But they did it on the road. Like, these schools can still snag them from you if you all are not all the way uh, focused in, in every single week and, and, and you know, used to it and, and you can't take a break at all. I think those schools will have to adjust to a decent amount of that for them this year. Kansas, because of – and once again, the big question for Kansas is depth. They're bringing a lot of guys back off last year's team. But the question for them is can they sustain it? Can they sustain injuries? Their defense was – you know, ended up being pretty terrible there towards the back end last year. They have to maintain on that end. They're building more depth, that is for sure. But I think another six-and-six six season for them is probably what's in store now – if Lance Leipold gets them playing and punching above their weight, that's possible. Um, but I feel like it's it's hard to put them above anybody else here right now. And look, if you say, hey, I feel better about Kansas and Oklahoma State, you know, I get that. I just think that Oklahoma State still has the best coach in the league. And even though last year was a disaster for Mike Gundy, they were still six and six, right? Or whatever, seven and five, six and six. And so they still will pull those out. I, I, he's getting that number seven spot off pedigree alone. That is why he is right there. It's tough to bet against him finishing in the top half of the league. That's why I'm there on that. West Virginia is no doubt the, number, the last school. I think a lot of folks know what's going to happen there. BYU, Houston, and Cincy, you know, I think it would be interesting one of those schools can push and make a bowl game. I think it would be a pretty successful year for any of them just because there's so much depth in this 14-team league. And there's going to be an adjustment period for a lot of these schools. So that's where I'm at with them. So you all can give me your thoughts on this poll. It's out there. You all can see it now at NWPod365 at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find me on Twitter. Uh, that's where you all can find me. And also, 
Uh, you guys can leave comments, like the video, all of those things. John Wilner coming up later on in the week. Excited for that conversation. Hope you all uh, enjoy that one. We're going to uh, figure out a time to talk to John right now still, but he said he'd come on, so we're hopeful of that. Andy Stable's coming up next month, which we're pumped about, and then we're going to be doing team previews next month. So there's a whole lot coming your way, and obviously conference realignment. Uh, whenever we get a piece of news on that, we'll have more on that. All right, friends, we'll talk to you folks tomorrow.